Hey church, my name is Andrew, if I haven't met you before. Uh, it's great to have you with us this afternoon. I wonder what you're like when it comes to decisions. Each of us is faced with thousands of decisions every single day. There are the big decisions, like who should I date, who should I marry, where should I live, what job I should take. Then there are the small decisions. Should I press snooze on the alarm? Which car spot should I park in when I get to work? Should I wear a jacket or a jumper today? And which colour should I watch Barbie or Oppenheimer? Yeah, these, are, these are the daily decisions that we're just pummeled with every day. Now, people have written about how decisions are actually getting harder. Because you think about it, a few generations ago, you had a lot less options. So you probably live in the area that your parents lived in. Uh, you'd probably maybe enter the same career that your parents were in. Uh, these days, I mean, we were raised on Disney films that were teaching us that you can be whoever you want to be, do whatever you want to do, reach for the stars, achieve your dreams. And it's kind of overwhelming. There are so many choices that paralyzes us when it comes to decisions. The other day I went to buy some new jeans, a Just Jeans. Oh my goodness. I walked in there and I, you know, I asked for some advice from one of the, uh, the sales reps and she took me to this wall, floor to ceiling of options. Straight jeans, skinny jeans, skinny tapered jeans, slim jeans, slim tapered jeans, boot cut jeans, oversized jeans. She said, which one are you after? I didn't know what half of those jeans were. Then I had to pick the colour. I almost walked out of the store. How many of you, you sit down on a Saturday night and you're ready to watch a movie and you have like five streaming services and you still can't pick a movie to watch? You still can't find anything good? A few of you? Isn't that crazy? I remember the day when we'd go to Video Easy with my dad and you could pick one film and you walked away with it and... You just had to pick one. Now we've got so many options. It's paralyzing. I think that's why it's our generation that has invented the word FOMO, fear of missing out. Because we've got so many choices, so many options. Actually, it doesn't make us happier. It just paralyzes us. It just makes us uh, frozen with fear. So how do you go with decisions? Maybe you are someone like me who gets a bit paralyzed by options. Maybe you've got the opposite problem, though. Maybe you make decisions too quickly. You just rush into them. Or maybe you're here this afternoon, and as you look at your life, you know you have made some bad decisions. Maybe sinful decisions, I know I have, we all have, or unwise decisions, perhaps a bad financial decision and, and, and you're paying the consequences, maybe a bad relationship decision or whatever it might be. You need to know, if that is you, Jesus Christ died for all your bad decisions Every time you have failed him, and we all have, Jesus Christ, who never made a bad decision, by the way, he never made a bad call, 
the one who lived a perfect life, he died on the cross for you to pay the price for all of your bad decisions. He is a God of grace. You think about Peter in the Bible. He made some bad decisions because he denied Jesus three times. But Jesus forgave him. And so it is with all of our bad decisions. We are forgiven. But how do we make decisions today as Christians? Our motivation as Christians is to please God uh, because Jesus has died for us and saved us and we want to please him. How do we make godly and wise decisions today? Well, across the school holidays this year, we've been looking at the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is a practical book in the Old Testament filled with practical life wisdom. And today, we're looking at what the book of Proverbs says about this topic, decision-making. We've got four things tonight. How do you make wise decisions? Number one, plan thoughtfully. Plan thoughtfully. The wise person doesn't rush into decisions thoughtlessly or without a care, but is thoughtful and makes plans. Proverbs 21 verse 5, it's up on the screen. The plans of the diligent lead to profit, as surely as haste leads to poverty. So the wise person is is planning, how am I going to spend my money? Is it really wise to get in that much debt? How am I going to spend time with my friends? How am I going to spend time in God's Word? How am I going to prioritize time with God's people, with God's church? Planning, it's a good thing. It's a wise thing. And can I say, when it comes to decision-making, the wise person makes plans and listens to the wisdom of others. God has placed us around other godly Christians. We're part of a church family, and, and God has given us each other to share wisdom, to share advice. And the godly wise person is hungry to hear the wisdom of others. Have a look on the screen, Proverbs chapter 12. The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Well, the next one, Proverbs 15. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. So if you want your plans to go well, if you want to make wise decisions, you'd be asking your friends, hey, what do you think about this person? Should I, is it wise for me to date them? What do you think about this job I've been offered? Do you think this is a, is a good choice, a sensible choice? What do you think about this holiday I, I've been offered to go on? Do you think it's wise that I spend my money on this? How many Christians have rushed into, let's say, a relationship? And their friends have said to them, I do not think it's wise that you date that guy. He's not a Christian. He's not good for you. And they do not listen. And they, they rush into it and it ends in heartbreak. Because they did not listen to the wisdom of those around them. Now, it's always tempting to go to advice from the person that you know is going to agree with you. That's our culture. Our culture loves affirmation. Do you want to be affirmed? Give me a f- affirmation in my decisions. We don't like to be challenged. 
Actually, though, the wise person doesn't just seek out who's going to tell them what they want to hear, but what they need to hear. Look for the godly person. Look for the honest person. Look for the person maybe that's older than you or that has walked that path before you. Is this you? Are you you humble enough to, to want to be corrected or to be challenged? You may not go with what they say, by the way. You may still disagree with them. You may still choose your own path. That's okay, but, but you're ready to be teachable and listen and hear advice. Number two, want to make wise decisions. Look at your motives. Look at your motives. Because after all, when it comes to making decisions, what God cares most about is your heart. Is your heart. Proverbs 16 verse 2 says, All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. When you are making a decision, your motives, what is driving you, may seem pure to you, may seem good. But your motives can be deceiving, can be misguided. This is because of the first bad decision that ever took place. In the Garden of Eden, God made humans, and he made us with the ability to make decisions. And that's a good thing. He could have made us like robots. He could have made us with no actual genuine decision-making power. But we really can make decisions. We really have consequences for our actions. But Adam and Eve made a horrible decision. They chose to disobey God. Since then, every decision that you and I make is affected by that first bad decision. Because we have hearts that are swayed by sin. We're tempted to not follow God's ways, to not follow His good plans, His good purposes, but instead to follow our own ways without thinking of Him. And so when we're making decisions, we've got to examine our motives and and make sure that we are driven by what pleases God and not what pleases the world or ourselves or the path of sin. You know, you're offered a new job. And you're tempted to take it out of greed. There's nothing wrong with taking a job because it pays more, but greed should not be what motivates you. You're, you're taking a holiday and you take it out of pure self-indulgence. Well, there's nothing wrong with taking holidays, but that's not our motive as believers. Or you buy that house just to, because you don't want to miss out and you don't want to fall behind your friends. All these things are not the motives of the Lord. Proverbs 16, verse 25 says, There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. And so I think this is the problem when we trust our gut or our impressions with decisions. Because your gut, your impressions, they could be right, but they might be wrong. They might be wrong. No, instead, what we always want to do is think, okay, how can I please Jesus in this decision? How can my, my, my motives be to honor the Lord Jesus who gave up his life for me? And if there's ever an option that's going to lead you to love Jesus less, 
to obey him less, to love his church and, and be part of his people less, that is always the bad option. I love what the psalmist prays in Psalm 139. He prays, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. It's a prayer about his motives. He's praying, God, would you search me? Search my motivations. Search my motives. Would you reveal in me any, any sinful motives that I haven't noticed? And Lord, would you, would you lead me in your ways? If you pray that prayer as a Christian, you don't have to despair that your motives are always going to be you know, sinful because you have God's Holy Spirit in you. You have the Spirit of God changing your hearts, sanctifying you, changing your desires and your motives so you can truly please the Lord. What's your motives? Number three, you want to make wise decisions. Look to God's priorities. Look to God's priorities. We heard Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6 before. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. As followers of Jesus, what we want to do when we make a decision is make a decision that is the will of God. That's our priority, isn't it? We want to make decisions that are in line with God's will. How many times have you faced a big decision and you just pray to God, God, would you show me what your will is? Would you show me what job you want me to take or what person you want me to date or what uni course you want me to do? Please, would you just show me your will? And maybe before you've done the open and point method in the Bible, yeah, you've got a decision to make, so you close your eyes, you flick to a random page, you point, and you hope that it will show you the answer from God. And maybe sometimes it's helpful, but often it's not. You know, this idea of God's will in a decision, there's a lot of confusion out there. One of my dear friends at uni, every morning when she was getting dressed, she would ask God to show her what socks she should put on in the morning. She would ask God to show her what shirt she should pick. And this friend, she loved Jesus. Her motives were, were so good. She did not want to choose an outfit that God had not planned. But actually, I think it's a bit misguided. Because in the Bible, there are two types of God's will. The first type of God's will is his revealed will. His revealed will. This is the will of God we have in the Bible, the Scriptures. If you want to know what God's Revealed will is for you. He has given you all that you need to know, all that he wants you to know. His word shows you how to live for him and serve him and obey him and, and please him. It's the will that he desires for all people to become more like Jesus. Now, sometimes in the Bible, his revealed will is really clear and simple. 
So if you're trying to think, should I commit adultery or not? What, what decision am I going to make? What's God's opinion on that? You open it up, do not commit adultery. Very clear decision made. Other times, though, it's perhaps not as clear in how you apply it. So the Bible says, honor your father and mother. That's clear. But how you apply it is different if you're five years old compared to if you're 20 years old, compared to if you're caring for parents with dementia. You see? How you apply it is different. You've got to use your wisdom and your brain and, and get some advice and counsel. But, but still the principle is clear. And we have God's Holy Spirit that helps us to, to read the Word of God and apply it to our lives and, and make decisions. Unlike Adam and Eve, they failed to make decisions that honored God. Our, the Holy Spirit helps us to truly live out God's Word. Romans 12, verse 2, talks about the will of God. It says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. He is good, pleasing, and perfect will. How do we know the will of God? It's by the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, transforming our mind. That's his revealed will. But this is different to his hidden will or his will of plan or decree, whatever you want to call it. See, God has, every, God has a plan for your life. It is true. He does. And it's true that it's a plan to work all things together for good. That's a promise from the Scriptures. But he doesn't reveal the details of your plan. He knows what you're going to do tomorrow and every interaction you're going to have, but he may reveal it to you in a decision. He may tell you with an audible voice what you should do, and I believe that God still does that, but it is not the norm, and it is not promised that he will reveal to us extra than what he has revealed in his word. He can. He does. But it's not a promise. Even in the New Testament, those that hear from God weren't searching for it. They weren't searching for it or waiting anxiously for it. It just came out of the blue. Now, you know what God's hidden will is in hindsight. So if I go to the ice cream shop and I'm trying to make a decision about whether I get chocolate ice cream or vanilla, and I'm always stuck with those decisions... If I pick chocolate and that's what I pick and walk out of the store, I'll know that God's will was that I had chocolate ice cream. Because the Bible doesn't say anything about chocolate or vanilla ice cream, right? And so, you know, that, 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 I know that it was his will because that's what I ended up picking. But many Christians get really anxious and think, well, what if I choose chocolate, but God's will was that I chose vanilla? And then all of a sudden, I'm living outside of the will of God. And I've taken the wrong path and taken the wrong turn. And I'm, and I'm lost and I'm off the wrong track out of God's plan. And I've stuffed everything up. You know, I don't want to marry the wrong person. I don't want to take the wrong job. I don't want to, I don't want to take the... You know, this just makes us anxious, I think, this kind of thinking. And, and it kind of implies that we've got a sneaky God a sneaky God. He's got a will for your life and he wants you to make decisions in line with his will, but he's not going to really reveal it to you. You've got to kind of find it out and pick it up. 
No, we have all that we need in the Word of God, His revealed will. And we ask God to guide us as we read His Word and as we hear the wisdom of His people. And we use our freedom. We have real freedom to make decisions. Amy Joseph, she writes uh, it really well. She says this, we do, not know, we do not know where we will live in five years, but we do know how we are to live. We may not know if we will marry or whom we will marry, but we do know God wills that we avoid sexual immorality and marry someone with a similar love for Christ. We may not know if our business venture will be successful, but we know God's will is for us to conduct our business uprightly. We may not know which neighborhood or country we live in, but we know from God's revealed will that he intends that we love and serve our neighbors. Let's think about an example. You're trying to pick a job that you've been offered. And you wish that the Bible told you you should take the job with Westpac, not CBA. You wish that it just said it very clearly, solved all your problems. It doesn't. Of course it doesn't. But what has God revealed? He's told us that we should provide for the physical needs of our family. And so if one of those jobs is going to help you best provide for your family's needs, maybe that's the right choice. We're told to look out for our spiritual needs, to to prioritize gathering with God's people. And so if one of those jobs is going to mean that you're not going to be able to attend church as regularly or not going to be able to be part of a connect group or serve or your kids aren't or your... Then perhaps that's not the right choice. We're told to love our neighbors. And so if one of those jobs is not going to be caring for the vulnerable in society or, or not going to enable you to love those around you, perhaps that's not the best choice. Is not always simple. Sometimes these priorities conflict with each other and it's messy and you've got to make a judgment call and use wisdom. But do you see what I'm saying? We're using the principles, the priorities that God has revealed as we navigate the, the, the tricky decisions that come at us in our lives. And we must pray and ask God to give us that wisdom. We plan thoughtfully, we look at our motives, we look to God's priorities, and lastly, we want to make wise decisions, trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. I heard a great illustration about decision-making being like rock climbing. You're going rock climbing, and uh, you are strapped in, and there's someone on the ground holding onto the rope. And so as you climb the rock climbing wall, sometimes you might have to take a bit of a leap and take a bit of a risk, and perhaps it might not go well. Perhaps you'll fall, and it may even hurt. But you'll be okay because you're strapped in. And so it is in the decisions we make as followers of Jesus. Decisions come at us, and some of them might go well, and Some of them might not go well. Some of them might have to take a risk. But it'll be okay. Even if it hurts, it'll be okay. Because you're strapped in. 
Because God is holding on to you. Because God loves you. And he cares for you. And he's saying to you, trust me. Proverbs 16 verse 3 says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Verse 9, In their hearts humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. See, we can make decisions, but in the end we've got to trust God because they may not end the way that we hoped. God is the one who ultimately establishes our plans. That's why I think we need to say God willing more often. When we make plans, God willing, I'll be going on this holiday. God willing, I'll take this uni course. God willing, I'll marry this person. Because in the end, it's up to God. We've got to trust him. And when our plans do go well, rather than bragging and going, look what I did and look what I made happen, we, we give the glory and the thanks back to God. I love how Jesus says, don't be anxious about tomorrow. We get so anxious with decisions because we want to know all the consequences and we want to make sure it's the perfect decision and the right decision. Uh, but we just got to make a choice and trust God with the consequences. You think about it. God could show you all the consequences for your decisions. So if you're thinking about who to marry, he could show you, okay, if you marry this man, here's what he's going to look like in 10 years, and here's what life's going to be like in 20 years, and let me show you it all. Or if you take this job, here's how your career will progress if you take this job, or, and here's how your career will progress if you take... He could show you it all. But then, you'd be making the decision trusting in the consequences rather than making the decision, trusting him. Trust the Lord. Make the decision. And it may be a hard one. God may be calling you to serve in a different part of Sydney or the world or to take a risk for him. And my prayer is that there are people here tonight who make ambitious, big choices for Jesus and his kingdom. But actually, it's not just the big ones but the daily small decisions. The daily small decisions to put one foot in front of the other, serving Jesus, honoring him, pleasing him, and trusting him with the consequences because he loves you. So friends, let's be wise in our decision making. Be thoughtful in your planning. Seek the wisdom of others. Examine your motives and say to God, search my heart. Look to guidance from God's word and trust the one who holds your future in his hands. Amen. Let me pray for us. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, we pray that you would help us to trust in you with all our hearts. And lean not on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge him. Acknowledge you. And know that you will make our paths straight. Please help us to honor you and please you in all that we decide.
And we pray this for the glory of your son, Jesus Christ.